0: Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey everybody, welcome to another new episode of Undying Light. I am your host, Pastor Alex, and we are once again coming at you with another new episode and some just uh, great things to look at in uh, the coming months. So uh, I haven't really done any sort of updates or provided any sort of details for many people yet outside of the patron group. So uh, you guys will be previous to this information as of tomorrow when I drop this episode on the 17th of February. So that... uh, has a lot to come in terms of things that I'm hoping to accomplish in the next six to eight months. And so I want to kind of maybe paint the landscape a little bit for everybody. So um, I had just this past Tuesday wrapped up the last assignment for my master's. It doesn't mean I I, I have graduated or anything of that nature yet, but that means I have done all of the work leading up to Finishing that degree, which is huge. And basically at this stage, all that is left is to have it all inspected and checked off by my professor and then deemed worthy to graduate. That's it. So there's a lot on the horizon. I'm very, very excited at, at the outlook here in the next couple of weeks as I hope to uh, get all of that finalized and Um, and, and to, to move on essentially, because I have put in just in really the last, I don't know, three or four or five weeks, I've put in over 25 hours a week into these projects. It doesn't seem like a lot, but when you've got kids and ministry and all that, finding 25 hours of dedicated time in a five or six day span is, takes a lot. And, Generally, what I've done is re- reserved Mondays, Tuesdays, and Wednesdays for schoolwork, and I'll do about six to eight hours per day on those three days. And then Thursday and Fridays, ministry days, and visiting people, and family day on Saturday. But I've made this big push in the last... I mean, I could date this all the way back to September of last year, when I really took the bull by the horns and decided I'm going to finish this degree. And I have probably did about... I'd say two to two and a half semesters worth of work in under one semester. So I I went full on into into this and just delivered something that I never thought I could actually do. And so when we uh, met as a mentor team in uh, January, we had some great discussions around you know the, f- these final projects and and how I've accomplished so much in such a short time, which is. Uh, again, it leaves me speechless, but thank God that I've been able to have the time and the support for my wife and family to be able to dedicate to finishing this. So that is that. So that means once the final check from the professor comes, the final, you know, nod that I am graduating, uh, once that is taken place, then, Uh, I will transition more into doing more work for the church as I will have more free time. So we're going to start doing some teaching series on our YouTube channel through the church. And so if you're interested in more of the Lutheran doctrine, I'm going to start presenting some of that. The goal is to, uh, just like we do on this podcast, take everything that we learn, make it simple and understandable for you, the listener, or the watcher if you're on YouTube. So those viewing it, Those listening to it make this complex stuff simple and easy to understand. Why do we have these, um, you know, these uh, confessions and the Augsburg Confession? Why do we have these articles? Why do we have? Why do we acknowledge this but not that? Those types of things uh, will be addressed and clarified. So it'll be—I don't want to say a regurgitation of what we've done in this show last year when we went through the Lutheran theology. uh, It will be probably much more. pointed if you would at how the layperson, the traditional churchgoer can understand this doctrine and we will cover a, a lot of ground over the course of however long i decide to do this for that's the goal from the church aspect um, so we'll start doing you know a weekly or bi-weekly release of videos and we'll be discussing in depth you know the various tenets of the lutheran theology and so I have that to look forward to. That may not get started until probably this summer, but that is a view and, and a goal for me to accomplish this year. The other goal is, for those who listen to this show and have known me uh, for a long time, I have the interest or desire, if you would, to write a book. And so I've got actually a handful of ideas in the back of my mind, um, a few theological books, and if you know me, uh, a couple books that are from the fantasy genre. I love fantasy books. I love Lord of the Rings. I love sci-fi books, the Star Wars saga, and all that. Those are things that I have a deep, you know, passion for, and I have for my entire life. I've been, you know, kind of one of those. I don't want to say nerdy people, but I enjoy those types of things. I I have no problems going to like game stores and watching Dungeons and Dragons and stuff. And I know some people might shake their their finger at me oh how dare you pastor get into any of that witchcraft and demonic stuff and i don't i've never played dungeons and dragons but i always find it fascinating to watch those games played out i have played other games i love playing board games i love playing card games i, I love that kind of nostalgic feel of taking you down these like roads of the fantasy genres so i enjoy reading that stuff that's just me you don't have to you don't you know it, it's whatever. I mean, I don't chastise people for reading Harry Potter. If you want to read it, read it. I don't care. I, I enjoy that stuff. It's just kind of who I am and what I grew up with, and I don't want that to change who I am just because I'm a pastor. I don't find anything wrong with it. Obviously, I don't stray into like some of the really weird, dark circles there, and because there can get some some really creepy, dark circles in that genre. Um, but you can do that with any of the literary genres out there you you don't it doesn't take much to go that way so that's a a passion i have but that's a project that's only going to be reserved specifically for patrons i have a uh, private uh, instagram page set up that i'm going to kind of document the progress of the book and the ideas that i have and so that will be uh, geared towards patrons and those who are generally interested in supporting this that's a side project that will be probably a long-endeavoring project. I'm not looking to do anything you know, immediate with it right now. I am, on the other hand, looking to write a theological book in the near future, and I have got uh, an outline already written. My patrons have seen it. It will be released. Um, it won't be released to the general public, but if I can get a chapter to written and add that to this proposal, I have a publisher who is interested in at least looking at what I have in the proposal form. So that doesn't mean I'm going to be published, doesn't mean I have any, you know, any, any insight or anything yet, but it just means that I've got a publisher with a uh, requirement of what they want to see before uh, they would, you know, draw up a contract. So very excited for that. It's a book that's going to distinguish law gospel while reading the Bible. It's a book going to be written for the lay people of the church to help them understand the different types of methods that are involved in reading your bible and how can one read in the framework of law gospel instead of reading a expository manner or reading it in historical or cultural context which are important but reading it in that but also examining the law and gospel that shines forth can we Cultivate the gospel out of the law, and how do we do that? So those are going to be some of the things I'm taking on in this book. Like I said, I've got an outline already written out, and some of the people I've I've talked to with it have, you know, thought it was a a good uh, approach, a good way to handle this topic. So I'm very excited for it. So that's some stuff that will be previous to the patrons only. If you want to come and be involved in that and help support this cause, that will be something uh, that will be a work of love you know, coming out hopefully this year. I, again, I don't have a publisher that's going to publish it, nor do I have a completed work yet, but it is something I'm going to work on this year. So those are the big updates. Um, you know, as always, Undying Light is going to continue producing podcast shows. We're going to continue working through the Gospel of Matthew. We're going to continue doing all of that. Uh, I have no desire or interest in stopping, now that, especially now that I'm done with school. I don't know if we'll do a two-episode again kind of week if you would when we were doing the the Lutheran theology plus the books we might do a, a once a month tuesday episode where we do like question and answer sessions and and things like that that could very well happen but i'm not looking forward to adding another episode because anthony and i are going to be taking on a matter of truth pretty heavy on so we've got a lot of episodes written up we've got a good plan in place for the series that we're working on so i'm very excited for that project to really take off this year in hopes that anthony and i can really pour into it a matter of truth was never a show that we had decided to do that would be on a written schedule uh, we tried to do it but it really kind of uh, became more of a hey let's get together and do an episode and let's get together and do an episode and so it was very randomized and now we're just kind of trying to do one episode a month and that keeps the people's interest going And we've gotten a lot of really good feedback on that. And so people look forward to it, and we just kind of release them at random times. So if you're a subscriber, please make sure you watch out for those as they come down the chute. So uh, this week, ladies and gentlemen, let's look at Matthew chapter 7. We're still in the Sermon on the Mount. We are going to look at uh, this for a few more weeks, and we are going to handle the topic today of judging that's everybody's favorite topic, and we're going to look at the first six verses of the Gospel of Matthew in chapter 7. Here is what Jesus says. Judge not that you should not be judged, for with that judgment you pronounce, you will be judged, and with the measure you will use to be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye, or how? Can you say to a brother, let me take that speck out of your eye when there's a log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take out the log in your own eye, and you will see clearly to take out the speck in your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is holy. Do not throw your pearls before the pigs. lest least they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. All right. So we have everybody's favorite text. Judge not <laughs> that you be not judged. Judge not. Get on Instagram or any social media, and you make a comment towards a big popular movement, aka like the Chosen, or this revival that is going on in, uh, I believe it's Ashbur, Ashbury, Ashbury uh, Tennessee, maybe. I don't know all the details to it, but anytime you speak against these types of things, especially if you speak against like the Todd Bentleys or the uh, big charismatic people, the very, the big Pentecostal people if you ever go against them their armies come out in droves and they slap you with Matthew 7:1 judge not least you be judged and it's like uh, okay thanks for taking that out of context and um, you know I, I, I would certainly say that I don't agree with Paul Washer on uh, on a lot of doctrine anymore. But he always made this comment that just really just resonates well with me whenever somebody says judge not in a, in a framework that judgment was appropriately measured. And he says, twist not scripture, at least you be Satan. And so that to me is probably the best quote I've ever seen from Paul Washer. Uh, and, and I think it resonates true because when we have people that sling this at us, uh, they are generally doing what Satan did to Jesus in the temptation trials that jesus faced in matthew 4 when uh, satan is tempting jesus to do these things and then he's twisting scripture to get jesus to do these things and jesus says all of these things it is written it is written it is written and he provides framework and context to the greater verses that satan decided to omit and so Anytime you see somebody trying to fling this verse at you, chances are they're twisting scripture. I mean, it's just kind of the way it is. And you know, I did a series. Oh my goodness, a long time ago on Instagram, and I thought of really kind of working through it. And I and it kind of fell on its face, or you know, after probably first handful of sh- episodes, I just never felt the desire to do it. And it was always the, it was the verses that are often misinterpreted or mishandled. And, and this was one of those verses that was mishandled and often is, because if you have this, you know, and somebody has it in their back pocket, they're going to throw it at you all the time. They're going any chance they get, they are going to, they're going to fling this because what it's doing is it's saying that you're being a Pharisee. How dare you judge me? You don't know me. And that's how people handle this verse. Uh, but here Jesus is not referring to a decision rendered by human judgment, nor does he mean that the Christians should never confront others with God's law. He refers to the condemnation of a fellow believer by one who is not first practical, uh, practiced proper self-examination. So there is some framework that we have to understand because, again, taking a verse out of context, we can make it say whatever we want. But if we take verses 1 through 6 into frame, then we can see how Jesus is telling us that we can judge. Uh, and we see this elsewhere in the Gospel of John, and we see it with Paul's writings, that the uh, light has no association with darkness. If we you know, uh, uncover darkness, we need to drive it out. Uh, we have full authority to judge the false teachers and the false gospels. We have the ability to shine the light bright on those and call out their hypocrisy. We have that full measure as Christians. That is absolutely given to us in Scripture. But we should also pay attention to these verses because what it's showing us is not necessarily you know, that we can't judge, but it's saying if you are to judge, then you should examine yourself first. Don't just rush to judgment because you don't agree with something, but make sure that if you're going to call you know, something out, then make sure that you have your apples in line. Make sure that you don't have those logs in your eye blocking you from your own sin. You're, you know, when he uses that reference, you know, taking the speck out of your brother's eye when you have a log in yours, that's, you know, speaking in an analogy of you have a sin that's already festering in you. Why would you try and correct a brother in Christ who may or may not have a a smaller speck or a smaller festering of sin, if you would. Now, all of sin is a cosmic treason to our holy and just God, and we would all acknowledge that sin is all punishable by death. And so we also should understand that sin that we commit is more heinous than the sin somebody else commits because it's you. You're responsible for that. And you're not responsible for the sin somebody else commits. So in hindsight, that's always going to be from the human perspective, a lesser sin because you're not held responsible to what Joe Schmo does down the road. You're responsible by what you do and the sins that you commit. So if you are going to be judging, if I you know I use air quotes here, make sure that you have your, your apples in order. Make sure everything in your house is, is in place. Make sure that you don't have logs in your eyes. But here's the kicker to it. You will always have a log in your eye. You, you will always have sin that is festering in your soul and so you should examine your life and in the framework of judgment I I would venture to say there's kind of two ways we can approach this as Christians if we have a brother or sister in Christ who has stumbled into sin it is our duty to come alongside them and not just chastise them for their sin we, we should A. address the sin and call the sin what it is that it's sin if You know, let's say your brother or sister in Christ has stumbled into alcoholism and they are now, you know, uh, going down that road to become an alcoholic. You can come in and say your alcoholism is a sin that is killing you and the people around you. That is how we would handle it. You come alongside and and you make it a sharp point that the sin that they are committing is, in fact, hurting themselves and those around you. But you also should come alongside them and say, but Jesus forgives you. And how can we help you? What can we do to assist you in breaking of that? That is how we would go around it. Now, that's how to address a sinful situation. If somebody is in sin, you come alongside, you name the sin, and then you forgive the sin. And especially if the sin is committed against you, you name the sin and you forgive the sin. That is in within the power of Christians. We have the ability to forgive others. We don't have the, the authority uh, outside of the church. The standard lay person doesn't have the authority to just absolve sin. That is given to the preacher through the office of the keys. That's a whole other topic, and I'm sure I'll anger some of the Reformed people out there that the preacher doesn't have authority to forgive sin. We, we do. Uh, That is made explicit to us in Scripture, and we will continue to forgive sin. And I continue to do it every Sunday in church when I tell my congregation, by the authority that God has given me, I therefore declare to you the entire forgiveness of your sins. I am the mouthpiece of God. I am telling my congregation what God is telling the congregation. I am just a mouthpiece. So as a layperson, you have the authority to forgive people when they've sinned against you and you can acknowledge and point to the reality that their sins have been washed clean. They have been forgiven by Christ. So the verse three is something that again can trip up people, especially with this verse in its context is taking the speck out of your eye. But Jesus uses this grotesque exaggeration to illustrate how absurd it is for his disciples to pick out the sins of others when they, their own have not repented from their own sin. The Lord calls us to daily repentance. This takes us back to chapter 6, verse 12. So we are to repent from our sins and, and and ask God for forgiveness. And when we can do that and when we have done that, then we have the ability to look at our brother and help them acknowledge their sin and seek forgiveness. That is the proper method to it. When that When we are not addressing the sin of a person, we are addressing perhaps a false teacher or a false gospel, then we have the authority, as as Scripture is given to us, to call out that it is a false gospel. Paul makes it very clear in Galatians 1 and 2 that if anybody preaches another gospel, even if it is an angel from heaven, let them to be anathematized. Let them be cursed. Let them be condemned. If they bring another gospel to you, they are a false teacher and they shall be condemned. So when we handle false doctrine and false teachings this is a counterintuitive to the gospel of christ it is it is the measurement of the antichrist and antichrist like teaching so when we come across a preacher who's preaching in that frame that he's moving against the words of christ or he's moving against the words of scripture or he's manipulating or twisting scripture to fit some sort of narrative or an agenda we have the authority to call it out. Now, on social media, this is kind of a, an interesting thing, we, we all like to get a little zealous when we come across false teachers and we like to you know, address it in the comment sections or make posts about it and talk about it and do YouTube videos and discuss why this is false. And that's fine because that's now the new platform, if you would, for how we engage false teachers. Uh, 500 years ago with Luther, it was to walk into the door, uh, at Wittenberg and nail his 95 thesis that were a dispute to the Roman Catholic teaching on indulgences. That was how you started debates in the 1500s. You would put it, a message up on the community message board or on the church door. If you were going to have, if you had beef with the church and you called for a debate, you called for a discussion. That is how we did it 500 years ago. But with today, technology. Everybody seems to be introverted. Nobody wants to go out and actually have debates. Nobody wants to go out and actually discuss these things. And you will never, ever be able to confront these false teachers, whether it's the Todd Bentleys or Todd Whites or Paula Whites or a lot of Whites um, or, you know, any of these Joel Osteen type peoples, the T.D. Jakes and all of the Stephen Furticks and all those guys you'll never be able to sit down and have a conversation with them they will never ever ever debate you that has been proven they they have no desire to be uh, corrected and they feel that they are above reproach they they are they cannot be touched their doctrine is sound and everything they say is okay and what you say is is completely and utterly false even if you have scripture to support yourself and they don't In their eyes, you are wrong. And their cohorts and their armies that support them and love them will tell you the same exact thing. And then they'll throw out Matthew 7, 1. Do not judge, because you will be judged. But we hard to draw attention to the false teaching, to shine a light on the darkness, to expose it. And we see that there are many who are being deceived. And that just is, is plain when it comes to these audiences that fill these these concert halls, these uh, venues, these stadiums, thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people who come to see uh, Osteen or Furtick or any of these people preach, or when you've got these big like modern <coughs> uh, <coughs> revitalistic movements, um, these big you know concert tours, when they get these you know not necessarily prominent speakers but they get like the tim tebows and i have no beef against Tim, but i'm just using him as an example but they get those types of people the sadie robinsons and they come out and they talk to you on the stage there's tens of thousands of people in these audiences that are being deceived by a false gospel and i and i assert that they teach a false gospel on the very premise that there is no law gospel distinction there is no contextual historical context around jesus what he's done and what he's doing for people it is all about uh, the magic genie of Jesus right there is how they present it, you know, and we will actually discuss that a little bit more in depth on next week's episode when we get to seven through 11 and we see the ask and it will be given to you framework because this is a verse that they will use and they will talk about how you can just ask Jesus for everything you want. If you want that new Ferrari, you'll get it. Just, you know, keep praying, keep praying, which is a whole load of malarkey, but that's kind of my beef with the church in the West, and I think it's got such a tragedy followed behind it because it is leaving people into this construct of um, deconstruction, if you would, because these movements provide a false gospel. There's no hope for people to hold on to, and so they they realize that they've burnt themselves out, and they now are going to quote unquote deconstruct. Well, truth be told, they don't really have a lot to deconstruct from because. They were never really given the full gospel. They were just given some of these fluffy, feel-good messages that Jesus has and the preachers have manipulated and twisted and where everything is just fluffy, feel-good, hippie Jesus. And we we skip over anything that seems judgmental. We skip over the context of chapter 7 here and how to understand these verses. We skip over all of that stuff because it's it, it's, it's, it's mean. It's a mean text. How dare we present something that just might hurt somebody's feelings? That's the movement of the Western church. And that drives me absolutely insane. Absolutely bonkers is the approach of the Western church as to the authority of Scripture. So with all of that said, when we examine these verses, and again, I, you know, we're not going to spend a ton of time. We've maybe been on this for about 18 minutes. These verses are not very long, but we have to understand that we have the ability to judge. And we should do so righteously. And we should do so only when we've acknowledged and uh, and confessed our sins to God. Before we can address the sins of others, confess your sins to God. If it is a false teaching and a false teacher, a false gospel, by all means, shine the light on it. Shine and expose it and allow the people to make their own decisions. Uh, but I want to touch base on these last two verses when He Jesus calls the people in the crowd hypocrites. Uh, this is usually describing unbelievers as we go back to 62 uh, but this is applied here to a sinning disciple, one who is constantly trapped into their own sinful nature and they're pointing the finger at others while allowing their sin to go unchecked. Jesus did not rule out speaking to fellow believers about their sins as he will note in 16 or in 1815 and Paul notes in Galatians 6:1. But it should be done only after proper examination and repentance. Again, it's what we've been talking about. Uh, in verse 6, the giving to dogs what is holy, uh, Jesus may be quoting a proverbial saying in which he applies to his previous teaching. He compares his disciples to what is holy and to pearls. He warns of the hypocritical condemnation of fellow believers and is uh, tantamount to throwing these precious persons out to the fellowship of dogs and pigs. Disciples thrown out of fellowship would obviously suffer spiritual harm and their congregation would be attacked for its hypocrisy. One of the most difficult tasks for Christians is to speak to a fellow believer about their personal faith. That seems to be pretty evident. This is especially difficult within a family or a congregation. Jesus sets forth a basic rule that needs to be observed. First, practice self-examination. If you do not realize that your own sins and faults, you cannot offer adamation to a fellow Christian. One who assumes the tasks of taking the speck out of his brother's eye must do so with sincere love, deep humility, and prayer. Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. So that is the summary of these verses, and I think it draws us to a good understanding that we must first practice our self-examination. And then once we have done that, we can then turn to our brother and provide assistance. And it goes back to the framework of the Lord's Prayer in early chapter 6, to forgive us of our debts as we forgive others of their debts, as we forgive our debtors, those who have sinned against us. Uh, Another framing of that I mentioned a couple weeks ago on on that uh, podcast is forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who have trespassed against us, those who have sinned against us. We forgive those people And we confess our sins, forgive us, God, we are sinful people. And that is how we handle this text in a right manner. So next time you hear somebody flinging at you, the judge not framework, uh, examine why they would use that for one. Two, don't just lash out, but examine why they are using this verse in in context to what you are trying to say. Uh, especially if you're having those difficult conversations with family members or congregants that you are addressing a sin, and they get defensive or judgmental back to you, and they fling these verses at you, examine why, and and then be gracious and humble when handling it. Don't lash out. That's just going to cause more problems, and it's going to make and lead to sin. Just just humbleness and deep humility, right? sincere love in the prayer forgive us our debts that's how we should handle these and uh, and I think sometimes we get a little overzealous on social media when somebody uses this verse and we lash out and use the Paul Washer quote which you know is fine but we we really want to beat those people into a pulp and that is the worst possible way I think we can handle any sort of um, constructional conversation with a Christian so that's that, ladies and gentlemen. I can talk about it forever, but we're going to wrap her up now and uh, we'll be back with you next Friday. Again, I've got some um, stuff coming down the chute. If you'd like to join us a patron, please do so. Patron.com forward slash undying light. All of that information can be found in the show notes. Uh, there will be a lot of neat things coming your way. If you are a patron, you'll be able to see the book, you'll get copies of the book for free. Uh, you will get. Um, whether we do eBooks or printed books, you'll get them all. If you want them signed, I'll, I'll sign them. I don't care, but you'll get, you know, rough drafts and, and all that stuff that you'll be previous to seeing before we take it to a published work, if we can get that far. So those are things that I'm working on and I'm very excited for, and I can't wait to see what the next six to eight months that the Lord has in store for us. And always I'll be pouring into my church, uh, left and right. And I am very excited for that as well. So I am, just honored and blessed to be a part of your guys's weekly listen and i hope you guys enjoy this please share it with your friends family and congregations as we continue to work ourselves through the gospel of matthew and unpack these beautiful words from christ until next time go to church it is friday which means church is around the corner get to church partake in the sacraments and relish in the truth that christ forgives you your sins until next week god bless we'll see y'all later. Thank you.